podcast that discusses storytelling from all angles to help you and us answer the call when the muse screams, tell the damn story. We'll be exploring the challenges of being creative in fiction, illustration, comics, film, and nonfiction. Welcome to uh, an episode of uh, Tell the Damn Story that is going to be and I may be using the word uh, incorrectly, ir irreverent in its, in its approach, uh, because we're, we're, we're using this episode to pay tribute to uh, a friend who has gone on ahead of us. Uh, uh, to celebrate the, the memory yeah. of a uh, underappreciated yes. uh, uh, wordsmith and editor and a very, Writer. very quiet dr driving force exactly. of creativity. The exactly. one and only Bill William McKay. McKay. Yes. yes, William, Here's good old me. Irish boy McKay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so here to help uh, me and, and the world celebrate this gentleman uh, are two good and dear friends of mine, but also people who were friends of Bill's or, and had the opportunity to work with him over a certain period of time in our respective lives. Um, the lovely uh, Elizabeth Sheehan, graphic designer par excellent. There she is, ladies and gentlemen, Liz Sheehan. Yeah. Hoot, 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 hoot. And the brilliant, uh, committed and dedicated actor, writer, uh, teacher, retired teacher, uh, creator of many things and the inspiration to many young minds, my good buddy, Christopher Ryan. Well, I yes, Ladies and gentlemen, of course, we're going to have the legend, the, <laughs> the, uh, the Mount Rushmore unto himself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I weigh almost as much. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's, there's almost no end to the... Uh, uh, <laughs> but what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? There's there's no end to the compliments we can give Alex Simmons. But tonight we're gonna well, there, say there are. <laughs> wow, Liz. Wow. Well, now I'm not gonna tell you, Liz, that you should be sitting in a phone booth because we see mostly your nose, you know. So you oh, I'm sitting up, up though. Yeah, oh we'll sit up a little. There you go. Now I can see you. Yes. There you go. Phone booth, but, they close all the phone booths. Like, you know, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Beyond all of the writing uh, uh, accolades and accomplishments of Alex Simmons, uh, tonight we're going to spotlight Alex Simmons' friend. Yes. Because yeah. while he worked with Bill McKay, and uh, uh, there he is. Yeah. There's Bill. He was oh. friends with Bill, and that is something that perhaps you can be you can begin by telling us a little bit about who Bill McKay was and you know I don't think we have enough tape to cover who, who Bill McKay was in its entirety in his entirety but um, I will say just in my own way um, I had the privilege of meeting Bill many many moons ago back in the 80s the mid 80s uh, he, at the time, was already a freelance writer um, and uh, editor, and he was working with uh, another dear friend of mine, uh, Patricia um, uh, Fortunato, 
at a, a company of her design, and she and Diana, uh, oh, Jessapone, had created a company called Megabooks, and it's what's called a uh, book packager, which doesn't mean they package books and wrap them and send them places, but we actually create the material, the internal material, the scripts and, and art for many books. And Bill uh, was their, their major domo editor. He was, he was also <laughs> a class clown. Uh -huh. <laughs> And the keeper of all information on oh, the planet it was in yeah. this man's head. And uh, in meeting Bill, uh, affable, courteous, kind, uh, giving, sharing. And I got hired to do some menial, menial uh, office uh, work because they didn't know me as a writer at that time. I was pursuing acting. So um, I was. this was like a temp thing in between gigs, you know, I was going to do this thing, you know, this work at this little office here for a couple of weeks and stuff like that. Little did I know, little did I know. Um, so basically I got to know Bill during that time period and <clears throat> to make an extremely long story short, uh, born in New York, born and raised in New York City, um, lived in Queens the majority of his life, although during his uh, latter college years and for a couple of years thereafter college, uh, he was down in the West Village. Wow. Um, yep. Yes, he was. I, know, he had, I did not know that. Yes, know. he did. He did. He, and he's got stories about that, but we'll save that for another episode uh, or, or for, for an older audience. <laughs> um, but he, and he has two brothers um, and a sister. And he was just, it was just getting to know him was just so much fun. He also became, uh, and I mentioned it before, he was a very sharing son of a gun. Um, he would, you know, I started to do some writing at the time, uh, initially for some other projects. I'd written a play and a few other things. But then slowly, because of Megabooks' you know, position, book packager, writing scripts and things, I slowly began to sort of become a part of that team. I would make suggestions, things. And Bill was always there, like he was always open to the suggestion. He was always open to hearing ideas. And he was always supportive in developing those ideas beyond what we thought may or may not be possible. And it was, it was so much fun to be around someone who wasn't saying or seeing you as, a, as, as an interloper or a threat or an annoyance or someone beneath them, but somebody was just open to collaborating and partnering on things and having fun kicking around ideas. And I, he just, he just, you know, opened the door for me, you know, in a lot of ways, mentored me when I started eventually doing more writing for Megabooks and then eventually doing some project editing and things like that. He was always, always willing to help and share and guide. And it was, it made a number of years of working with him in that capacity so much more enjoyable. Um, then, then I can even begin to, to state at this time. And I haven't even told you about some of the silly things we did. Um, what I would say about Bill McKay, right now, today, <laughs> okay, no Dr. Seuss for Bill McKay. Um, he, uh, he came along very early in my professional writing life. Matter of fact, he shepherded uh, my first novel, 
I mean, I didn't write it. Some guy named Franklin wrote it, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've got nothing to do with this book, I swear. But it was my, you know, it it was it was my first um, swing at the uh, at the dream, you know, and uh, I've had experience with editors who were dream crushers, you Mm. know. Uh, people who hated their job and took it out on everybody else. Yeah. Bill McKay was the opposite end of that spectrum. Uh, he was intensely specific on his editorial <laughs> and oh, yeah. non-judgmental at the same time. And he would, the tone of his voice, while he was giving you very specific editorial guidance, sounded somehow like he was proud of you Mm. (laughs) and it was just it was it made it okay like oh i i can talk with these people you know maybe i can do this thing and uh that actually that that work by franklin uh (laughs) came out in 1990 so um, he really set me on the, I mean, I had just been a local journalist before that. And um, he really set me on a path. Uh, of course, Alex Simmons did too. And then, then there was Liz Sheehan propping up all my incredibly insane things. Uh, <laughs> wait, you want me to do what? What? A- Charlie, get the gun. He wants another edit. Uh, <laughs> But that was because I had a uh, um, uh, that editorial nightmare was because I didn't have a Bill McKay, you know, and uh, perhaps that would have been a better thing to say, Bill, how much would I have to pay you? Because Bill would have been politely, extremely precise and uh, would have, you know, the edits would have been done when the edits were supposed to be done. (laughs) He never, he never, ever, ever, ever made you feel small. No, he never yeah. made you feel ignorant. He never made you feel wrong. He guided you through some of the muddy, mucky, murky areas of writing or clarifying points in the story so that you could do your best. And that was one of the things he taught me tremendously. He had a really interesting way of making you feel like you were in a really fun class mm-hmm. rather than, you know, getting put to task for editorial changes or anything like that. And when you can feel like you're in a writing lab or you're in um, an experience of acceptance and approval, and now Mm -hmm. let's take it further. That was kind of his thing was where, yeah, yeah, this is, this is really interesting. You know where it could go, you know, and then you would, you would want to go there. Yeah, (laughs) Where can it go? What? We can fantastic, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the really interesting thing is, that's right. I was waiting for yes. you to say that. And the yeah. really, really interesting thing it was like yes. an ongoing yes. thing, that's you know, a pause. yeah. But you know, those are all lessons that uh, it would be a great thing to be able to pass that on tonight for people who are uh, entering or working with each other. You know, sometimes you're mm-hmm. writers groups, or sometimes you're like, even if you're proofreading a friend's stuff or giving some feedback. The Bill McKay um, style of yes and, mm-hmm. you know, and 
the really interesting thing. thing and is. Did you know? Did you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. He would say something like that. Like he was so fascinating. Did you know? And what you were about to get was you know, you were going to get taken to school, but it didn't feel like you were out in the back in the woodshed. It felt like you were in the front seat of the class, you know, the honored right. position. It was, he had such great techniques in that way. You never felt like, you know, oh, I'm forcing rewrites or anything like that, or, oh, I, you know, I should, I should know this. It really felt like this is being given to you at exactly the right moment. And um, Liz, having well, been on the other end where mm. nothing was right and, mm. and he was mad at the last uh, reporter or mad at his brother or mad that, you know, his cousin the was dog. working for the <laughs> Times, this yeah. whole different guy, not Bill McKay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, in retrospect, you understand what a uh, what a gem Bill McKay was mm. in those mm. these things he did. And the breaks were fascinating because if you were with him socially or if you were in a group and uh, he noticed something of interest, that was of master's class. Yeah. Oh, hey, did, Liz, you, did, what, you, did you know about this? <laughs> yeah. Liz, what was your experience with him? Uh, um, well, of course, I've met him through you, which I've met so many. I, sometimes if I can't sleep, I start to like make these mental connections of how I've met certain people throughout my life. I'm like, oh, I'm just from Alex. But um, he, you know, what are some of the, those books on grammar or anything you have to get? No, if you really want to know, you could just give Bill a call. <laughs> but I was like relating to, because he just, just knew everything. And I'm like, you know, if it wasn't, you know, there are a lot of grammar rules that are very tricky. You know, I'm basically a, a designer and an artist, but I do like words. And I can put together something that's pretty cohesive. But I was saying something to Hal earlier. I said, I do remember, though, that if I did have a question or if I was in a real uh, crunch for a deadline, I'd be like, well, I want to call Bill, but I'm afraid I'm going to be on the phone for two hours because he'll say the really interesting <laughs> thing is. Because then he would talk about something that is really interesting, but I'm like, well, uh, uh, I got to get back to this. <laughs> but the main thing that we worked on, which was so much fun, you know, I have like the page from, well, backwards from Race Against Time when we did that map. Oh, yeah. Not only did I lay it out, but Bill and I wrote it together. Yeah, the same one. Um, I had to flip this so that you, you could see it. Like we can see it. Don't worry about it. it. Just hold it up. That was, we, I mean, yeah, we we wrote this together. And we had a blast because we were coming up with phrases and things like that. And, and that was, what is it? The map of England, isn't it? It's the map of London. London, right? There you go. With English translations from things of what to say when you know you're on the other side of the pond. And again, he. <laughs> He treated me like an equal with, you know, and, and I, we couldn't, I contributed a lot. And then he would make some changes and, right. and that was great. Um, well, let's talk about what Race Against Time was. Race Against Time was, uh, uh, was it uh, uncle and nephew team mm -hmm. that were going around. They were, it was kind of a intercontinental adventure. Alex, you wrote the first part. Where was it located? 
the first part took place in New York City. Right. Um, by, by the way, we should preface by saying that the series was created by Patricia Fortunato, Pat Fortunato, oh. who I wound up working for. Right. And it was a series of um, young adult adventure novels and originally. Right. And that and Bill had written a number of those as well as edited, you know, with other writers uh, or edited other writers who worked on the series. So then I got the opportunity to do a comic book or, you know, what could be a graphic novel version, but to do a comic book version of an, a Race Against Time adventure, an original one. And so um, we came up with all, you know, with the, the villains and the locations and the globe trotting and all that. And so issue number one is a three issue, as, as Chris said, issue number one, which you can probably see on the screen, uh, that's the cover for it, right. uh, with the artwork by the wonderful Jamal Eigel, who yeah, also right. got, to, got to know Bill a bit, too. Um, but issue number one took place in New York, and as you can kind of maybe tell from some of the artwork, those of you who are listening to this on the audio, too bad. Uh, oh, but there's, there's something with the motorboat scene, so you know, we're in the East River at one point. Uh, the Chrysler Building's in the shot. You know, there's, there's just we just went all over New York and and had this great adventure that started there, and by the end of it, they're jetting on a plane for London, which gets us into issue right. two. Right, and that's uh, let me just right here. stop sharing this so you can see issue two, and I'll go in for a, a close up of of Mr. Ryan. Nope, actually here, uh, that's not what I want. This is what I want. Yes, the speaker. There you go. So there's issue number two, and you can see, and this one was yeah. written by the gentleman holding it in That's his hand. Right. This is written, uh, this takes place in London, which is where Liz and uh, Bill did the map to explain where people were. It, you know, it was great. It was a great adventure, but it was also a lot of teaching things. Mm -hmm. And then uh, part three took place in Paris. And um, yeah, I think it would be a fun um uh, trade paperback or, or graphic novel sometime. You yeah, know, absolutely. Get that out there, yeah. And but, Bill wrote issue three. That's right. That's uh, where we're getting to. Yeah, yeah, three. yeah. And uh, that's when we really got to see um, the villain who, uh, who, let's say he was a tribute to Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> so oh. really, really kind of had that situation yeah. going. Um, yeah. And it we had fun with it. It was just a lot. It was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, Bill had written a bunch and you had written some. I never wrote anything. So they put me in the middle. And they figured, we'll keep this monkey safe. <laughs> <laughs> Bookend him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that, know, I mean, that one it was only a couple of rewrites. So, <laughs> and again, that's really. You know, let me forget that, are you? That's a, well. It, I mean, that's how you learn, right? And and, and um, this was. I'm trying to see what year this was. Well, while you're looking for that, I would just com you know comment by saying that one 97. of the things that made all of this so much fun, and we're talking about Bill in particular, but the thing that made it work with you and and Liz and Jamal and and. Um, James Brown, not the Godfather, so right. the Godfather of color, the Godfather so the colorist of color. on the comic books, you know, was that all of all of the team mm -hmm. was about bringing their A game and doing our best so that the work was served, so that the work 
was the best it could be. And so it could go out there and entertain people. And it was, it was that kind of camaraderie and collaboration and joy and fun that we had with all this that I think resonated and translated into the material itself. So you mentioned the Charles Nelson Riley aspects of it. Yeah, I came up with some stuff, but Liz came up with some stuff. Chris, you came up with some stuff. I came up Jamal, Jamal came up with some stuff. Yeah. And, and, and those, those moments of, of collaboration and combining, you know, mixing the chefs in the kitchen, you know, that's why these things work so well. We, um, I remember uh, the characters had to jump in a cab in London and I pitched you the idea of a big yellow cab, you know, yep. and they yeah. jump in and when the driver turns around in everything else but name, it's a tribute to Ringo Starr, you know, it's yep. yellow submarine, that kind That's of stuff. Right. And uh, we were very... Yeah, yeah, he did a great job. We were, uh, there's another like little it. thing that Jamal did in there. But, I'm sorry, uh, what did you say, Liz? I was looking at the issue, and there's that caricature of you, and it's got all the, uh, you know, the icons of Britain, and you're holding a doll, like one of those beetle bobblehead dolls, and it's Ringo, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's so, but that's, you know, like, remember we worked on the newspaper, and I think we came up with, you know, two some tackles, Tower of Terror. I mean, I love alliteration. <laughs> Yeah, you know, one of my yeah, and and that's all you know. I mean, Bill McKay was heavily involved in the flavor, right? You and oh, and definitely between and Bill and Alex, there was a particular flavor of fun here. You know, at one point they they use bubble gum as a as a weapon of escape. You know, I mean yeah. that's not your normal adventure, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, a little tidbit that's not Bill McKay, but Jamal, there was a line of people, and Jamal wrote, uh, drew myself, my wife, and my children into yep. that line, which was pretty cool. And then as we, as the characters run around the corner, I think, I wonder if Bill is in that. Let's see. Where is that? Like, uh, it's like three. Yeah, it's like four pages in. Oh. Uh, you guys are having fun. They, they each have a copy of that issue. I'm sitting here without one, but they each have a copy of the issue, and they're now yes. coming coming back through. So, so I'm going to try. Oh, I see and the show. line where you talk. Where you talk this yes. page like like a post build about you know um, a post. It's a poster on a, on a wall, like at a construction right. site, right. one of those planked walls that they build around it, and there's a poster on there which he used for the credits for the illustrator and writer on the right. issue. But right. if you look to the right of it, there's like uh, what looks like it might be, oh, the overseers. Uh, I thought it, at first glance, I thought it was a wanted poster, but um, <laughs> it's a drawing of you, Alex, and the one and only Bill McKay. Yeah. So he made it into that issue, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, it, I just, you know, just to, to move on with Bill McKay, here's something, uh, again, that I've just thrown up on the screen, again, for those of you not seeing this, but hearing this. And this is another project that I was privileged to work on with Bill McKay, which was a thing called the Raven League. And it was, you know, uh, Sherlock Holmes era in Victorian England. And instead of the Baker Street Irregulars, Wiggins gets uh, drummed out of the core, as it were, when sort of a... Uh, 
rather evil or, or greedy and thug-like kid sort of undermines him with the, with the uh, irregulars and takes over. And so Wiggins on his own for a, a little bit. And part of that is he lets it happen because he feels guilty for something that happened. And so he discovers or encounters a new group of kids living in that impoverished arena. And that was a series of Raven League. And Bill not only was um, uh, a fount of information about Victorian <laughs> England in the 1800s, but know. You know, we co-wrote uh, two of the stories. So it's, it's uh, Sherlock Holmes is Missing and Buffalo Bill Wanted. And it was just, you know, I, I had come up with the concepts originally and done some research, but Bill was, once again, you would, you would ask him something and he could go off on this detailed yeah. tangent and even do side trips of additional pertinent information to where, you know, you're, you're weaving this world. I mean, that's what we do as writers and creators. We weave a world in which the story takes place. And the better the weave, the more convincing and authentic it feels to the readers and the audience. And, and literally, uh, there were times when Bill filled in uh, a gap in this world that I just went, wow, what would this have been like if he wasn't, if he wasn't here, if he wasn't um, mentoring this? Alex, I was thinking about that aspect of Bill McKay, and I think I have a modern way of explaining Bill McKay. Oh, okay. Go, in go for this it. aspect of Bill McKay, the information Bill McKay, uh, all of us have gone on Google or the internet and dropped into a rabbit hole. That's right. Right? Where we, where we research one thing and three hours later we've learned 72 other things. Bill McKay was the Google rabbit hole before there was a Google. He was That's a right. walking, talking, breathing, living, loving, just font of information. And like you said, he would segue from one rabbit, one deep abyss of information to another by saying, and you know what's interesting? And, and, and the really right. interesting thing is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I got you know, since you mentioned that, I got I to quickly bring this up uh, on behalf of, a, of another person who couldn't be here this evening. Um, I was I was fortunate, you know, in my earlier years as a uh, um, a mentor, if you will, for young people. Uh, I met a number of young people when they were around thirteen and fourteen, you know, mm -hmm. while I was participating in a children's arts uh, theater group in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And one of them was a wonderful young woman named Christine. And through a series of, of events and, and things like that, she, her family, and my family became very close over the years. And when Christine was in college, years later, she's in college, she had this paper that had to be done. And it was a historical piece. And she was struggling. I mean, this, this young lady wanted nothing more than to just do a good job, just succeed, just get a good grade and, and make her family proud. And she called me, <laughs> wrong person. She called me to say, you know, I'm working on this thing. I, you know, I'm going to make it up what it was. But it was something obscure like the Crimean War or something like that. And she said, I'm, I'm stuck on this thing too. And I said, well, I know this, this guy. He, he, might, he might be able to help you. Um, I'm going to put you in touch with my friend Bill. And I, I called Bill and said, Bill, here's the situation Christine's dealing with. 
would you mind, you know, just, you could just speak to her for a little while on the phone, maybe give her some points and, you know, point in some direction for her research. And he says, okay, all right. Put them in touch and that was it. It was like two weeks later. <laughs> two weeks later. They're still on the phone. No, two weeks yeah. later, I'm talking to Christine on the phone. And I said, how did, how did it go with the paper? She goes, oh, I got a great mark on the paper. And, and that Mr. McKay, he was amazing. He was amazing. He knew everything, everything. <laughs> and That's I'm, true. I'm sitting there trying not to laugh hysterically because I know what she's right. saying. Just, there wasn't anything I couldn't ask him. That he, he, did, he knew it right then and there. He didn't have to look it up, you know. And she, when she heard uh, recently what happened, you know, she, she, she just sent out so much love and prayer for him because she still remembered that giving, yeah. warm, wonderful, comfortable, spirited man that, that was just, whatever you need, kid, you got it. Right. So I just had to say that. And, and, Go ahead, Liz. I'm sorry. And speaking, not so much on, uh, in terms of work, and, but you mentioned the children's arts group, the, you know, Bronx Creative Arts View. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a time when Bill was with you and you took me to lunch and it was on that horrible day after I found we found out that Rosalie had passed away. Yeah, one of the children. The young yeah. person that I was very close to. And it was just like one of the one of the two tragic big tragedies of young people in my life. But and I just remember Bill being there and it really helped me get through that mm. that time. Yeah, and he wasn't telling his story, he was just there as like that, you know, open-hearted person, kind person. Um, he, he genuinely um, tried to be there yeah. when they needed him. Yeah. Um, I, I'm morally obligated to go on a quick aside. For those uh, who may be listening to or watching this who don't know, Bronx Creative Arts for Youth existed uh -huh. While I was a reporter in the Bronx covering the crack wars of that era, wow. and there were, we put body counts on the front page was, uh, week after week. It was 12, wow. 12 dead, 27 wounded on average. And I didn't get all the police reports. And one of the functions of Creative Arts for Youth was to take kids off the street mm -hmm. so they wouldn't get sucked into that vortex of death. Yeah, And that's mm -hmm. what Alex Simmons did. And that's what everybody that he brought in, that's what Billman did. That's eventually he assigned me to help. Everybody that got into contact with Alex Simmons wound up help working in some way with mm -hmm. Bronx Creative Arts for Youth. And like attracts like Alex Simmons is as giving and as generous of spirit and soul to the community, asking nothing in return, as Bill is to the universe of information. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, I would have felt terrible if we glossed right past what that organization really right, right, did. Right, right, you're right. Yeah. In fact, I went. I was just on Arthur Avenue last week. That's where it was sent. Well, I, yeah. I mentioned yeah. it to the guy who was driving with me as we were up there. He was driving around Arthur Avenue, huh? No, we had we <laughs> we had like we brought some supplies to a school that was in the neighborhood 
what did, what did we just say? What did we just say? There you go. Like, like there you go, like, man. There you go. There you go. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Liz, um, one, quiet as it's kept, one of the many beneficial things that Liz does um, and, and receives nothing more than, than love and warmth of the, the joy of giving is she uh, partners with some people uh, every uh, around the holidays of every year and uh, tries to donate presents and clothing and things like that to uh, kids in, uh, what would you call it? Well, they're, they're temporarily homeless, though. Yeah. They're, they're in, they and their families are in like a, uh, some local shelters here in Queens that we've done with two of them. Yeah. And um, they're like, it's run by the combination of Salvation Army and also I think the city. And, and, and sometimes uh, there are people that are there for a year. Yeah. So they try to get yeah. them, you know, into housing after that. But we've done that. We, and we enlist the people in my congregation to go buy the gifts, the toys, because the kids want toys. You sure. know. Yeah, they don't want socks. No, socks are not a great. Not yeah. really. They may get them from other. They people, they need they socks. They need yeah, socks. Yeah, but, you know, but they want. Kids, toys. You know. Yeah. So now tonight, because of Bill McKay, we have we have really shown the underbelly of tell the damn story. We're just a bunch of old hippies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness! No, I you know again, there's there's so many things that that I'm thankful to Bill for, and um, I think one of the last things I'll, I'll mention uh, while I'm showing something that has to do with bravery and adventure and boldness and all that uh, was his helping me, you know, with blackjack and everything. But that's that's a series, and and he even wrote. Uh, co-wrote one of the stories in uh, Buried Secrets. But the thing, in terms of bravery and, and, and being bold and all that, um, in his latter year, this last few years, the last three, four years here, uh, Bill has, has had major health challenges. Yeah. And through all that, and I'm talking major, I'm not going to go into details, <clears throat> but major health challenges, things that really would break many people in, in many situations and make them bitter and, and cantankerous and a number of other necessary, not necessarily beneficial uh, emotional states of being, and, and you couldn't fault them for it. But through all of that, he didn't change. No. I mean, yeah, he was sad at times and things like that, but he was still giving, he still participated in whatever he could virtually, you know, during COVID and all that. Um, he was still sharing what information he could pull uh, and, and, and recall and all of that. And, and right up to right up to the final couple of days, uh, he had a sense of humor and, and love. And I consider that very brave, how he handled what he faced. And I will miss him. I will sure. miss him tremendously. And I'm just ever so thankful that he was here and that he was a part of my life and that my kids got to know him and that my friends like, you know, you two got to know him and we all got to work together. And for whatever, to whatever degree, you know, 
we, we made things a little bit better for people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, a wonderful part of the legacy of Bill McKay. And it's something that he can, he can honestly say he left behind was good memories and, and a, a supreme effort to, to be, be there for others. I agree. And on that note, was there something else that you guys would like to share? (laughs) Here's what I would share because, you know, Bill McKay and Chris Ryan. Here's to you. Ah, Yeah. Here's here's to Bill. Here's to Bill. Bill. I don't even have water, but. That's okay. Both of you got something. I I have nothing here, but, you know, good thoughts. Good thoughts. You're here. (laughs) I remember going to Bill to the Molly Wee, right? Well, yeah, you've been there. The Molly Wee? Wasn't that the name of it? What, the restaurant in in the East 20s? No, oh, maybe I'm confusing the one. Maybe that, what what was the one that's like just south of uh, Penn Station? It's an Irish bar. (laughs) Oh, oh, I know the one you're talking about, and I don't remember the name. It's on 8th Avenue. Yeah, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, I can still see it, but I can't remember the name of it. You know, that's okay. We had we had beer there too. Yeah, <laughs> and there's one on Ma- there's one that that's one that we used to go to on 23rd Street and Where Pat Second Where Pat? Avenue. Yeah, Molly's. That's also Molly. called yeah, Molly. Yeah, maybe I'm confusing the name. Yeah, we went there as well. As a matter, as a matter of, we'll be there. Some of the people that Bill worked with, um, in particular, out of Mega Books, will be there uh, later this month. To, to do the same thing, to uh, hoist one uh, on his behalf yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and celebrate, easy. as Chris said earlier, celebrate, celebrate. You know, the life and, and the things that he, he brought for all of us to share. Do you know when his brother has, when, when they're going to have Yeah, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you about that. I'll okay. share that information with you um, oh. after the show. <laughs> okay. After the show. So anyway, I, I want to thank you guys for uh, taking the time to do this. I, I know it was unselfish on your part, um, but I truly appreciate it. And I know Bill does. And it will be, um, you know, we'll continue doing what we do. And you guys will continue to do what you do out there, which is, of course, tell your damn story. Well, it's painting. Possibly as, as, as best you can. <laughs> Under the circumstances, yeah. Right, right. Okay, so Chris. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if I can get there this. There he is. If I can, if I can get this a little bit bigger, it would, there he this, is. I, I had to I had to go on online to uh, to get this, and it's if I make it too big, it gets pixeled. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah. That's that's Bill. So take care, Bill. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, keep the quality going up. You know, wherever you may be. And uh, see you again there, Bill. He's, yeah, he's probably will. like giving the the um, the angels, like you know, he was uh, telling them more about the history of heaven. <laughs> yeah, and the really interesting thing is, <laughs> right? They're like, wait, away. There's like this long line at the pearly gates, and he's talking to That's Saint right. Peter. You <laughs> know, and the really interesting thing is, Saint <laughs> Peter's like, son, you have to go inside. Yeah, it's like people behind you get mad and they said, I'm going to go downstairs. Oh, God. Take care, everybody. All right. Peace to you. Peace.